You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Afternoon, everyone. 12.02 and a half here on 3RRR FM. You are in the afternoon. We've left the brains and we've moved into the stomach. Yes. Part of... we moved uh, down the body. we moved down the body. <laughs> uh, across from me, I give thanks and I say good afternoon to... Uh, good afternoon, Cam Smith. My name's Matt Stebbins. Should we fess up? We're feeling... None of us are feeling 100% today. Should we just get this oh, out right, in the open? Oh, okay. we're, right. so, we're sort of batting a six or a seven out of ten. <laughs> I'm blaming uh, hay fever. Yes. It's the lurgy's got the better of me. And, and you know how... So you take the hay fever meds and uh, that takes the symptoms away, but you just feel a bit... <laughs> that's where my brain is at right now. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm just uh, going through uh, a little bit of lack of sleep for reasons which yes. I really want to go into um, today. But the good news is yes. uh, that we've got a sensational lineup for you. Uh, we've thanked the scientists. We need mm. to look back on the doctors and say, yeah, well done, Radio Manara, all that sort of stuff. Mm. And um, we've got uh, some interesting guests waiting in the green room for you yes. this afternoon. Um, we've got Matt McConnell and Joe Gambros, who are going to be first in. Uh, you might know them from one of Melbourne's really, really successful inner city bars. We're talking about Barberinha. Yes. And uh, a place that's been open for about a dozen years now and whose very existence owes itself to some great travels that Matt and Joe did around the Mediterranean, eating and drinking just about everything (laughs) and um, staying in places, all sorts of places near the sea. And um, I guess the the interesting thing about um, Balarinia, it was the fact that there weren't a lot of places where you could just come and front up to the bar Mm. and get food. Yes, it was sort of tables and chairs, tables and chairs, tables and chairs. Yes. No, and whereas this was small plates and, and excellent glasses of wine. Yeah. Mm. So um, they've just brought out a cookbook just in time for Christmas because, let's face it, it's looming. It is called Eat at the Bar. Yes. So you can see where I got my concept from. Um, but it is a, a worthy tome, and uh, we're going to have a bit of a discussion with them about it. After that, we uh, move on to John, who I sort of startled a little bit because he was going through his <laughs> lunchbox with a, a slight bit of disappointment, shall we say? I love the fact that he still has a lunchbox. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, Franca, his wife, is, is, she packs it for him. So, you know. But uh, I think he was looking for an asparagus omelette, which wasn't there. So he was no, a little bit disappointed he was about a bit that. Grizzly, yes. Yeah. So we do that, <laughs> and um, and then we have Nathaniel White, who's um, mm. also waiting in the green room. Uh, Nate is uh, works around the corner at uh, Blue Bonnet. Mm-hmm. I have the address here. I think one twenty four. 126 Lygon Street, Street, East Brunswick, Mm. um, Blue Bonnet Barbecue. And we are going to talk about what I sort of uh, called the Rodney Dangerfield of uh, spirits, the spirit that don't get no respect. And we're talking about bourbon. Yes. And um, Nate's managed to, um, I think, sort of pry uh, a good bottle of bourbon off her suppliers saying, hey, I'm going to be on the radio and we're going to drink it. We'll talk about it. So come on. huh? Yeah. And we're going to talk about what makes a good bourbon um, a good bourbon. Yes. And should we care? Yes. And I say yes. Yeah, good. And, you know, and something that is not, as I say, the black aspro. Uh, which is yes. a, a much maligned, although sometimes necessary, mm. um, 
thing. Mm. Black Aspro being uh, one of those uh, ready-to-drink, uh, well, you know, black cans with coconut. Yeah, you see fridges full of them. Yeah, it was at, at your bottle. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit sneery, wasn't it? It was very sneery. <laughs> it was very, very sneery. So, look, I think maybe we'll just um, get mm. straight into it. I'm yes. going to go and get um, Matt and Joe, mm. sit them down. And also, I think we've also got a couple of books to give away, Ooh. which will be good. So, 12.06 here on 3 RFM. Delighted you could sort of pull up a chair to the table. Mm. And uh, looking forward to having a chat to them after this. He's pushed the buttons, ladies mm. and gentlemen. That means we're live in the studio. Joe's ready with the... Oh, look at the... We've got all the things. We've got... Oh, pouring. Uh, Matt and Joe, very, very good afternoon to you. Thank you for coming good afternoon. in. Good afternoon. Good We're going to have to do some microphone adjusting in a sec. Good afternoon. Yeah, Matt's going to turn you go. on. So, um, Ballerinia is shut today? Yes. You have a, yeah, you have a day off. Here, I'll pass these around to Matt. Oh, you brought in. And because this is just, this is what you do. You feed people. We do, and we love it. Yeah, there we go. I'm just going to organised. Feed them and get them lubricated. And, and just take a bit yeah. of Dutch courage. And one of the things that um, kind of amazed me, but it didn't, was the fact that um, Ballerinia... Uh, may it live long and prosper uh, more than a dozen years, was uh, voted one of the best places to take someone for a first date. Oh, yes. And why, tell well, us. you know, people get lovey with us. <laughs> <laughs> get their lovey they feel, on. They do. They feel comfortable and happy. Uh, we've had people get engaged. We've had people get married upstairs. We've had... People you know, break up. People break up. Yeah. So we set sausages on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the flaming knob. Yeah. <laughs> it's back. Yep. Flaming knob is back. We did that for a wedding. Two of our favourite customers actually had that as their wedding cake. Um, flaming knob. I haven't, <laughs> haven't seen our uh, kids. Put the kids out for a second. Um, sorry, too late. But can you just, what was flaming knob? Because I haven't seen one uh, of those for ages. Portuguese. Sausage, yeah. chorizo, or is it chorizo? Yeah, dried, set on fire, spicy, and yeah. set on fire, set on fire. Brandy. And yeah. you had, and you had this the whole thing that brought the the genesis of the flaming knob, the <laughs> or <laughs> uh, the French should probably be a little bit more elegant and say sausage flambe. Or, uh, <laughs> was you had a special dish for it, wasn't there? There was like yeah, this yeah. weird. It's on the you know the pig. It's yes. a Portuguese pig, like a little grill, and the the brandy goes underneath, and yeah. you light that on fire, and then <laughs> boom. Yeah, there you go. Flaming Norm, and everyone goes, hey, Flaming Norm. Anyway, um, 12 years. Oh, my God. Yes. They've flown? 12 and a half. Still flying. Oh, still flying. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, crazy. By the seat of your pants? Totes. Yeah. Totes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, I'm trying to remember, I think I might have first met you guys. Was it the Hairy Canary? It was. Yeah. I was, was telling Joe on the way here that um, first yeah. time I... Met you, yeah, yeah. Um, was ninety nine um, down at Fitzroy Triple R. Yes, on Eden. Yeah, um, and I was just telling to Declan outside that uh, on Monday, which mm. is tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, sure Tw- is. Twenty eight years of cooking is was my start date. I started the day before oh. Melbourne Cup. Really, nineteen ninety. Oh, was that your first? So was that the first? Nineteen ninety one. Yeah. Oh boy. And was Harry Canary your first cooking? He- first head chef job. So first head chef job, yes. Did an apprenticeship through Fitzroy. Yeah. Uh, a few places. Um, ending in uh, Tansy's into That's 1993, 94, something like that. And then yeah. I was set up at the um, Napier Hotel where... Joe and I first sort of worked together, Late got together. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Late night romance. And then, and then in 95 was, and I think 
a lot of the book comes back to what happened in 95 when we yeah. um, saved enough money mm. and went away for eight or nine months. And uh, our first port of call was with Joe's family in the south of Italy, um, tiny little town by the name of Cialano, 500 yeah. people. And, and everything that I'd learnt about cooking just got thrown completely out the window um, <laughs> because it was just so so self-sustainable. Um, everything was made in-house. Um, everything was bartered with... Um, I wanted to use the word loose, but that's not quite it, though, is it? It's it's re- it's actually real. What, mm. what it was, was it, more than anything, it was was real, and it um, sort of slaps us in the face of um, some of the things that weren't being done right in the industry yeah. back then. Um, but it also gave us the taste of we want more. Um, so went back again in '97, and on that trip was the trip that we first went to Spain and uh, first port of call Barcelona followed by Valencia and then on to um, Madrid and we only spent maybe about two or three weeks in total there but it was Mm. enough for us just to get that grasp of why are we going into a bar in Australia and getting crap food um, can I can I paraphrase here it was what you guys were experiencing was really the cuisine of the sun Mm. and and of um, and a sustainable version of it's like We've got these today. It was um, what was the dish? There's the one where you had the place that was full one day because they got the sardines in. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about this Two place. men behind a bar, mm. tiles, simple bar, couple of stools only, open window to the street, crowds, hordes of people eating anchovies, just lightly fried. Anchovies. Sardines. Uh, sorry, sardines. Sardines, sardines, sardines and green sauce and... You know, you could smell it off the street. Yes. And just sherry and carva, and actually yep. carva from the tap. And carva, well. of course. What is carva for those it's who don't know? bubbles sparkling. Bubbles, baby. Bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bubbles. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, the day that we went, it was so deep with people that we just managed to Packed. get to the bar, wasn't it? Packed, yeah. And d- was that, like, light bulb? Oh, oh yeah. Two guys just going, this Two is guys awesome. doing everything. It was amazing. And this is so simple, yet it's so profound. Yeah. yeah. And the, the most incredible thing about it was we went to go back there the next day and, and we were thinking why why isn't it as packed yes it was it, yes. Was, it was not jam-packed and it's because there were no sightings at market on that day and, and they'd and, run out of and no one's going to eat the frozen ones no. yeah and so they had a few other little tapas on offer Snails. but the reason why you went yeah they had some stars but the the reason why you went there was for the beautiful little fish mm. Um, and that just sort of really st- struck a chord with us on, like, yeah. how would we approach it if we were to try and do something like that in, in Melbourne? Because um, there weren't bars. We're, I, we're trying to work out, when did Movita open up? They, they were just open about us. two or three years before us, okay. I think. So you, yeah. you know, maybe they, they sort of, maybe they were one of the, the first on the that thing. They are the first. Yeah. All right, we'll give Frank, if you're listening, <laughs> you, you're good on you, mate. We'll listen to that. But this was reinforced by your own travels and... What other things did you guys pick up and what did you see that you were... And when was the moment where you just went, you know what? Oh, just being we able to do walk this. down a street continuously and eat and drink the whole way. From bar to bar. From bar to bar. From one yeah. For me, that was next. just like, I'm, I'm in heaven. And the amount of food you could eat and the specialties, the places Mm. that were doing things, only one thing like gumbas, you know, the prawn, the gumbas bar in Barcelona Mm. was just crazy. You walk in and it's like every type of prawn eaten all different ways. So grilled, fried, uh, blanched, um, raw, raw, Mm. and you just threw the shells on the ground. And you just drank sherry and, again, bubbles, and that was it. And then moved on to the next. (laughs) What an awesome way to live with a Mediterranean climate just sort of just happily resting on your shoulders. Yep. 
That sounds kind of nice. Hmm. Yeah. And the uh, <laughs> I was speaking to um, so. This book that we've got here, that we've got to talk about this, Eat at the Bar, it's been published by Hardy Grant, God yes. bless them. Um, I had a bit of a chat to um, Hardcase Harden, who sort of was a bit of a collaborator with yes. you, Michael Harden, yes. from Gourmet Traveller, amongst uh, other things. But one of the things that he said about you guys and was very, very complimentary, I know you'll find this hard Whoa. to believe. Because <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't have a compliment in his no, 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 he, Don't worry, there's lots of insulting things he said first. Oh, oh, good. But he said that you guys are sort of such wonderful travellers in the fact that you're magpies. When you go, the ephemera that you pick up, the it's not just pictures mm. on an iPhone. Yeah. Tell us about what other things you grab. Gosh, God. I mean, some of the walls of Balerina tell some of that story too, you know, collected mm. plates, glassware. Um, I've got a diary, booze, I've got a diary full of, you know, old napkins, matchboxes, yes, uh, all yeah. of, all beer, of beer coasters, beer yeah, coasters yeah. postcards, people, still, still people writing over there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, people actually just people still smoke. writing things yeah. down on a piece of paper and then giving that to you, you know. One of them one time was just like a broken uh, piece of... Cardboard off a car- box, wasn't it? A tea box. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I said, and you I, got that. Can I have a receipt? So I wanted a receipt. <laughs> so you're <laughs> collecting receipts. And the guy just looked at me like, you are some crazy lady. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Receipt. Yeah. Oh, yeah Why okay. do you want a receipt for? Anyway. Give you a bloody receipt yeah. and all that sort so of stuff. ACO was happy with that one. Yeah, they were. I think it was accepted. <laughs> so, I think it was so accepted. That worked. So, so um, all that stuff, yeah. So then you, you came back f- just filled with the fire of, um, of beautiful, beautiful food simply done yeah. um, using great ingredients. And this, ingredients, and this yeah. is where... Um, we're kind of lucky in Melbourne that you can and you have made unbelievable relationships with with people to get the quality that you needed. Totally, yeah. It's um, none none of it. What we've done could have happened without those collaborations um, and discussions with people who are just as passionate as us. So oh, yeah. mm. Scott Walsley probably is the one that sticks out the most. Who's Scott um, Walsley? Scott Walsley from Spanish, Spanish Acquisition. Acquisition, who brings yeah. in the most amazing little um, manzanilla that we're. Sipping on. Yes. Oh, we need to um, cheers too. Yes. Yes. We'll do it. Cheers. Cheers. Um, amongst you know a whole lot of you know great um, cherries, I suppose you'd call them from throughout Spain and Portugal of really really good stuff to drink that just ties in with what we're about as well. Mm. Um, because it's not just eating at the bar. It's like there's a lot yeah, of drinking that goes down, but um, they have to go hand in hand. Yep. Um, so yeah. And that's yeah the, the left and the right hand. So. This book is, um, as well as a really, really well written, actually, travel log and gives such a, a flavour. But it also presents the great hits of, um, Barlarinha. Yeah. And, um, it's sort of, I know it's like picking out your favourite children. <laughs> <laughs> but over the years, have you got, um, some that you. Hopefully the kids aren't listening. I, I have one. Back to I've got Bolinos de Bacalao. Okay. That's uh, a roll like a croqueta, mm-hmm. and it's um, just, you know, the salted bacalao that's, I don't know, Matt does it all the time with the water and the cleaning and the da-da-da. So and much water, get, yeah, so, so much cleaning, <laughs> so much water. Yeah. And then with potato that's cooked in the 
fish stock mm. and they're rolled together with like capers he's done it in the past, parsley, lemon, and then lightly crumbed and then lightly fried. Yeah, beautifully deep fried. Hello. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my all-time favorites. Lisbon inspired, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Thank goodness yeah. I got that right. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, man? Oh, gee, favorite kid. Let me see. <laughs> um, gee, that's really tricky. I think um, I actually have a um, a dessert that I really, really love, which is a um, it's called a Molotov. It's a Portuguese dessert, and it's um, basically a uh, a meringue that's been uh, baked in a water bath. So you get oh, yeah. a, you get a little bit of a crunch to it. So it's it's not nowhere near a eaten mess, but it, it, the yes. result is essentially the same at the end. So, but it's a where's this a, one come from? From Portugal. So a Portuguese mess. Yeah. So yes. it's um a, a pretty um soft and spongy style meringue with a little crispy brown over the top. You cover the lot with cream and then yes. just drown it in um, caramel syrup. Super super oh, simple, okay. but it's just a process of adding sugar, sugar, and sugar together, and it's just beautiful. Oh, so divine. Yeah. Okay, and so and a lot of the greatest hits are here. Obviously, one of the dishes that Matt is famous for, and in a way, you were some, almost cursing Simon Johnson mm-hmm. about the fact of how much lemon oil you've had to buy oh, yeah. from him over the years. Of course, is the pancetta of kingfish, mm. which is a dish that's been on for ages, and we finally get to see how the hell you make that. <laughs> uh, Matt was talking about one of his favourite things was... Oh, many years ago, um, I had probably my, my favourite ever plate of tripe. Ah, yes. yes. Um, and, of course, you, know, you have to be reasonably brave to order the tripe. But if you go somewhere you trust, and, of course, mm, Barlerin yeah. is a great example of that, it was such an amazing flavour sponge. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's the top of my tripe charts. Yeah, look, yeah. Um, and, tri- and tripe is pretty much famous in, in Madrid town. Um, and, and in bars also, like, offal is a thing that you eat at a bar. And so mm-hmm. um, it's always been a feature of our menu. Um, yep. Always make sure that it's on menu, but also on special as well. So even we've just done a recent menu change, so we're back... With the lamb's tongue are on. Oh, they're the best. Um, mm. And we're making these, these, these amazing... And they're um, good for date nights. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> amazing little um, tripe uh, chips that we cover yeah. in like a really spicy salsa and pickled chili and you just crunch on those and they're just magnificent. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, they're all here in this book. Oh, and including the other one I thought we'd mention, and maybe we can just give people an idea of this just so that they've got something... Uh, to whet their appetite for this book, uh, the Moho Verde. Mm-hmm. Um, what a that's just a great source that I think should be in everybody's repertoire, especially with summer coming up. Yeah, can you tell us how you can how you make that? Oh, can you pass me the book? Yeah, I'm going to guess it's got something green in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's got a lot of coriander. How many sauces have you made in your life? Oh, look, they, and they, they kind of blur into each other a little bit at times, and I think that's what I like about mm. some of the stuff that I do um, mm. because we're not Spanish, we're not Portuguese. We've, we've blended mix. some flavours from all of the Mediterranean, yeah. and that's why a lot of the recipes, um, aren't, they're not traditional, yes. um, but essentially with a sauce like that, it's really, really super fresh herbs, good olive oil, um, garlic, and... That little moorish hint of cumin seed as well that goes into it as well. Do you toast those? Do you, should you toast your cumin seeds before? Doesn't look, need to. Yeah. Look, um, seeds have to be lightly toasted to be brought back to life before you grind them. You can yeah. you can buy ground cumin in the shop, but it, it could be a week, a month, a year old. You, you just, don't you, do it. You'll never know. Um, so if you really want the true expression of the flavour of a spice, then that you've really got to um, do that. 
um, to extract as much flavour. So isn't it amazing? From um, being at uh, the Hairy Canary and Napier Hotel dining room, which one was it? 211. 211. That's a while so ago. Long ago. It's you guys have come so far and this you've made um, an institution that people can be so happy to be in and now Thank they you. can take a little bit of that Mediterranean sunshine home with them oh, yeah. uh, with this book. Uh, how much is it? It's uh, 50, I believe 50 bucks. 50 bucks. Yeah. Great bookstores. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just I think I was at Books for Cooks and they just got a whole bunch of them in. Yes. Yeah. We've, we've actually got a, um, a nice little night with them on the 13th, I believe. Um, a couple of little nibbles. Yeah, 13th. nibbles. A couple, couple, couple of tipples. Yeah. And, um, John, I'll be having a chat with um, Tim and Amanda about some some Travel of the stories. stories yeah. Oh, cool. What you yeah. Will there be slides? <laughs> do you know what? If if I had a chance, I'd yeah. love to do slides. Yeah. Oh, that bring reminds back the slideshow. Yeah. Slide do a little keynote. My uncle used to do it all the time, and he always, for some reason, was wearing a yellow jacket in, in every 70s. goddamn photo. Was he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There he is. <laughs> there he is again. Him all over the world. It's like a where's jacket. Wally with the yellow jacket. Yeah. All right, now we've got a couple uh, copies of this book to give away. It is called Eat at the Bar, and uh, you can always go into Bar Larinia at, uh, in Little Collins Street and pick up a copy. Sorry. Or you can um, answer this question. Uh, the place that um, we were thinking, maybe the place of the anchovies? Yes. In Valencia, in yeah. Valencia. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, should we give a little hint? Oh, people are ringing already, so they must have uh, already got it. Um, and uh, you guys have uh, very oh, graciously got... said, yes. if we get the winners, we will post them out to them. Yes. Oh, that's, that's really kind Easy. of you. Uh, Matt and Joe, it's been 12 glorious years of Barlarinia in Little Collins Street. May there be many more, and uh, I look forward to... Uh, spending some time there at the bar with the, just the wonderful food that you guys do and your fabulous presence in the front of the house, oh, Joe. Thanks, Cameron. And Bring thank you always, Kate. you guys, for your support over all the years. It's really special. Yeah, it's been pretty easy, don't you think, man? People have stopped ringing, Cam. 93881027. Hey, thank you, Bob. The question was... Oh, maybe they're going... Oh, it might be a little bit hard for them. So it... Uh, Give a hint, Matt. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a place for the anchovies, and it was called the Something Angel. That's the... Something that's Angel? Is that making it easier for you guys? Give us a ring. We'll announce the uh, the winners um, yes. after that. We are going to do a little bit of music, are we not? We are. And then we're going to do, and then we'll come back, tell you the winners, and then we'll go and uh, sneak up on John. Yes. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, yeah folks, and the name of the place was called the Tusker Angel. Mm. Um, we've got, uh, who's, we've got one we've got, winner. We've got a couple of winners. Pete's uh, picked up a copy of the book. Yep. And uh, the other winners, I've still got to grab the details. Hang on the line there. Don't hang up. Don't hang up. Don't hang For up. For goodness sake. Oh, we're going to go to market now. And um, they say you should never sneak up on a Calabrian because uh, sometimes they don't take it too well. This is what happened at the Vic Market. What's that, John? We're on. He's giving me the look. Uh, mate, I just sort of come in. I know I've got a death wish, but not that much of a death wish, mate. <laughs> what? I, I was looking at what I had in my lunchbox, and I was cursing that I didn't have something I wanted to show you. Yeah. But take it easy. It's, it's looking pretty good, though. It is. It's looking pretty good. Uh, it's right. a big lunchbox. It's, um, oh, geez, that's big. A couple of good dinner plates full, and uh, yeah, it looked pretty good to me. There was some I'm cauliflower, there's some... 
Anyway, he's whipped yeah. it away and he's put it back. Uh, good morning, John. I've, uh, good morning. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've snuck up on you, haven't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, you did. All right, now it's your turn. I did. I got the, I got the Calabrese look or something <laughs> like that. Um, hey, uh, all right, it's, it's the market. It's uh, a little bit cooler from... That's well, gorgeous, yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, not yeah, too hot. Yeah, we it's had a, not windy. We had a nasty little oh. burst of summer, didn't we? Yeah, and we had a snowstorm with those stupid trees, all that. Oh, yeah. uh, itchy powder was coming through and everyone was having asthma attacks including myself mm. um, you know my lungs still feel a little bit weak from it and, and it's not good I wish that council would cut these stupid trees plant something Australian what? all the plane trees yeah of Whoa, course they're big. a scourge well yeah okay. Well, yeah, and for you, part of the year they are and if, yeah well it's bad enough one day is one day too many because Whew. people are coming coughing and there's six inches of that dust in the streets if you don't believe me you want to come uh, down when there's a storm yeah okay anyway enough wind uh, alright because this is an exciting tree, time tree, of year tree surgeon um, you want a surge you want to take a knife to all of them anyway it is an exciting time um, I was here. I was here yesterday, um, and I saw the big fat asparagus. Yes, they ran away. Yeah. Now, big and fat. We're talking thicker than a man's thumb, and Absolutely. that's that's thick. And thicker they, than that thumb. Yes, thicker than that thumb. And they are the best because they grow really quick. Mm. It's different than a forest asparagus sitting on the edge of the forest. It's fighting for light fighting for life, fighting for water, mm. and they're very thin and spindly. Those, you pick them and you break the bottom, and where they break, they're tender. These asparagus are growing. They jump up out of the ground in a day, and they cut them. And all of my asparagus export quality is no white on them at all. Mm. So you don't snap them. You cut it off. If there's any white, you peel it back with a potato peeler. Mm. Okay? Yep. So um, I've been saying to a lot of people, if you think that it's too fat and too long, you cut the stalk in half. The bottom half of the stalk, you slice it down in the middle, throw the bottom bits into your pan, and then spear the heads on top, mm. and they'll all cook evenly. I and never that, had that problem. And that was another thing. I had asparagus omelette last night. I was hey. hoping to give you some, but yeah. it didn't happen. Oh, is that what that yeah. uh, might have been what he was looking around for? Um, all right. Uh, you also, it's um, artichoke season, like you wouldn't believe. Um, I've pulled some out. I've actually, I'm going to take a picture. I've, I've taken a picture. Might whack it on the uh, the old Instagram. The spinosa. These are the things that remind you. These are related to thistles. These are the kings and queens of asparagus. Uh, sorry, artichokes. I still got asparagus on my yeah. mind. Yes. Now these are um, big, dark, purpley. What other purpley colour? Mauve colour. Ma- no, magenta not, type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- dusty sort of magenta, uh, green. They look vicious. They're like a mace. You know, they're really <laughs> thick and heavy. Yeah. And they've got these awful. Sp- Spiny uh, prickles on them. On the end, yeah. But what you do is you slice the top off. You get the scissors and you yeah. chop, chop, chop off all the little splinters, bits. It works. And then you go from there. These have a nuttier flavour. Yeah. They're a very, very thick flesh, about two and a half centimetres thick flesh uh, in a stem. You mm. peel that back and cook that as well. Um, and I've got another two varieties up there as well. So the big, come the rounder the ones. And the, and the thing ones. is, um, look. Artichokes, no matter which way you do them, they're work. They are work, but they're sort of like a meditative sort of work. And the thing is, if you keep a lot of um, acid around, like lemons, and rub them on to stop them from browning too much, you'll be fine. Anyway, moving on. Tomato City, uh, what's going on with the Oh, tomatoes? we've got some Magic Murray Bridge tomatoes at the moment. 
people have been waiting for the Doncaster, which got a little bit more acid, but these have been really strong and sweet. Yeah. Good texture, good juice, good flavour. And also we got Rouge de Marmont uh, from Adelaide, soft skin, wrinkly tomatoes. Yeah. And we got two varieties of cherry tomatoes on the trusty heirlooms. And then we've got about two or three varieties in the boxes as well, the cherry tomatoes. So it's definitely time to have a, a beautiful salad, good olive oil, salt, pepper, that's all you need, parsley and garlic uh, well, and, and basil. Well, those guys uh, that are on the on the branch there, they've got these little sort of cherries, they're really, really nice. If you put them in a hot oven with a bit of some flaky salt on top, a little drizzle of olive oil, beautiful next to a piece of fish. Uh, even a piece of steak is what we a did. Piece of steak, yeah, My way. problem is that I eat tomatoes every day yeah. and the acid's starting to build up, so I had it uh, three times in the last three weeks. Yeah. The last time I get a little bit of burn, so, but I still ate them. Yeah, you do. Uh, garlic's in. Oh, garlic's this is Aussie garlic. So. This has got a, a very, very long uh, stem, probably the size of a ruler, the stem. That's um, magenta. Yeah, that's no, magenta. That's a real magenta. It's got a very, very hard stick in the middle, which we call a garlic strap. You eat that too. Yep. And the rest of the soft leaves, you use all the stem first and then the bulb. Now, this is a very, very young garlic. It's sweet. Mm. Um, even if you ate the whole lot at once, you won't smell. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. it's beautiful. How much are these? Uh, two bucks a piece. Two bucks a piece. Fresh garlic. So um, uh, that's happening. Broad beans, have they peaked? We've got peak broad bean. We've yeah, got we're on the wane, but still they're beautiful. I've got some from Werribee and I've got some from Ferntree Gully, right. and they've been really, really nice. Again, you can cook them with the artichokes as well. Yeah, all right. Um, and citrus fruit. Oh, the mangoes, there's... Jesus, they've the... gotten dearer this way. Yeah, but they've got there's so many of them though. Oh, and Which we've is eaten so weird, many. It? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. We've eaten. We've we only KP's Kensington prides, but there's Calypso and yeah. probably the other ones around. They yeah. don't rate for me, but they if you don't. like them, you yeah, know, good on you. Yeah, but, good on but you. But a Kensington pride is um, one of Australia's greatest fruits, I reckon. Um, what, do you, what? I think we might just go into pick of the market. All right, pick of the market. Uh, beans are a little bit better quality because they had a lot of trouble up there with the weather. Yeah. Um, cauliflowers and broccolis are at their peak. Dime a dozen, you can get them from anything to $2 to $3 for a collie, 2 to $3 a kilo for broccoli. Makes a good meal, good stir-fry, whatever. Yeah. Um, the root vegetables, people have been jumping into them even though it's warmer. Some are still making soups, roasts, mashes, whatever. Yeah, it might be good to just get to the parsnips before they sort of bow out a bit. Yeah, they get a little bit raggedy through summer, but we yeah. still have good stuff, so yeah. that's not a problem. Um, yeah, what do I say? Like we always say, come through, have a look, pick and choose what you like. Capsicums have come down again, they're about 3 to $4 a kilo. Yeah. Pick the eyes out of the market, do your menu here. Don't sit down and say, well, what am I going to eat this week? Might be time to get some cherries too. Not yet, no. Not yet. The, the first cherries are always very ordinary. I think if you ate them, you might be disappointed. If you're really desperate, buy a handful and try them. Wait a couple of weeks when you get the big, juicy red ones out of Victoria and New South Wales, and they'll be gorgeous. All right, yeah, it's the same as stone fruit, isn't it? Yeah, stone fruit's trickling in. The Aussie stuff's trickling in. Got rid of all the American rubbish, thank God. Um, yeah, so look around. Avocados dime a dozen as well. I got some the other day, little black ones, just, um, oh, say a lot smaller than uh, an ostrich egg for two for a dollar, and they were beautiful. Well, that sounds good. All right, and on that lovely note, I'm going to leave you uh, to enjoy your lunch. Sorry about the asparagus. Hey, by the way, you drink um, uh, much bourbon? 
Uh, sometimes, yes. Sometimes. Have you got a favourite sort of cocktail or a way of having bourbon other than maybe the dreaded black aspro? Uh, no, not really, because I, I don't like mixing too much stuff into my drinks. Mm. Um, so when I drink scotch, I drink scotch and ice or scotch and milk. Mm. Um, bourbon's the same. I might put a little bit of colour in it, but maybe just a bit of water and a bit of ice. Um, my favourite way of having bourbon is to make a uh, bourbon sauce for my ribs. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, good. I uh, wanted to do it um, two weeks ago, but I got caught up with Dad, so... Franca had to do the ribs on her own, and she didn't make the bourbon sauce. So I like to buy the middle ribs. Yeah. I um, boil up the tomatoes and uh, the sugar and the bourbon and yeah. really make it sticky, sticky, sticky and then sticky. put it on top of the ribs when it's time and dry them out. All right. Well, we've got uh, Nathaniel or Nate White from Blue Bonnet in Ligon Street. So he's coming in. He's going to talk about bourbon. Well, maybe he can tell you how to do the ribs properly with a bourbon sauce. Oh, we might ask him. All right. John, we're going to get out of here. See you, mate. Take care. Thank you. Hey, look up my glass over there. Oh, sorry, Jimmy. Drink, huh? What sort of drink you want? What sort of drink you want? Make it a double. Yeah. Oh, Let's drink. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a bottle in front of us. So, um, did we need to uh, say winners here, Matt, before oh, we go on? Why not? So, congratulations to listeners Pete and listener Vivian, who both picked up a copy of Eat at the Bar by uh, Matt and Joe. Right, and as we move on with this radio, we've got we've got very very special glasses in mm. in front of us. Um, it's sort of like an old fashioned glass, uh, and the person who's uh, uh, handed those over to us is uh, Nathaniel White, or do you be prefer to be called Nate? Nate's fine. Nate's fine. Yeah. Nate, thank you, man. It's you're uh, lovely to lovely to meet you. And uh, you're at a place just around the corner. Yep, Ligon Street, Blue Bonnet Barbecue. Yes. How long has that been going for now? Um, the brand itself, four years. This is our our third incarnation. Mm. Yeah. How long have you been with them? Uh, I worked at the first one on Johnson Street uh, That's right. three yeah. or four years ago. Yeah. And then I left the country for a bit. It coincidentally burnt down three days after I left. Uh, oh, I It wasn't me. And But now I've been back there for just over a year now. Yes. Yeah. What were you doing overseas? Uh, I was bartending in London. Uh, City Social, Michelin Star, fancy, fancy place. Fancy schmancy. You said you picked up the glasses from over there. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. (laughs) And and, and what sort of stuff, uh, what what did you learn over there? Um, What what, what sort of stuff? Essentially, how to to bartend. Yes. uh, Properly. I thought I knew things before I went there. Yes. Turns out I didn't. Uh, but it was oh, isn't that good? And then yeah. and then you're able to go right, but I can learn exactly. Uh, it's one of the one of the best restaurant bars in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was yeah, big learning curve, but a good one. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm. And um, and we sort of got in touch because um, you were saying that you wanted to uh, well talk about. Um, I've sort of jokingly referred to it as the uh, the Rodney Dangerfield of spirit, yep. the one that gets no respect. Mm. And and we do. We think of, there's so many halo effects. Like we think of. Cognac has that history and the mystique around it. Uh, gin has that nasty beginning with, you know, Hogarth and, mm. you know, the, the child coming out and then the great resurgence of gin. We see just about everybody's making gin yeah, pretty much. in Australia now. 
And bourbon. So what, what led you to sort of go, I want to look into this stuff? Um, first and foremost, uh, I guess I used to drink a bit of scotch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it has similarities. So you'll find with a lot of uh, blended scotches, and not a lot of people know this because they don't advertise it, but things like uh, Shivers or, or Johnny, which are delicious, Yes, uh, they have a really big corn base. Uh, Shocking yeah. inhale of breath. Look at that. What? Yeah, they they don't advertise it, but it, no, yeah, the it nasty can be little secret. Sometimes up to fifty percent corn whiskey in there. Get and then, out of here! Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's not a so they say it's secret. Bl- they're saying they it's blended, it. but we're not telling you what it's blended with. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll tell you all of these, um, uh, you know, twelve year old Kleinlish and blah 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 blah. But there's also a, a big healthy portion of corn whiskey in there. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's not corn all the time. Yep. It might be barley. It might not rye. Not rye. <laughs> and barley, why, and, and why do you say when you went, nah, not rye? Because the, the flavour profile yeah, is right. so characteristic that you yeah. go, that's rye in there. Yeah. And you can't blend that away. No. Yeah, you can't. No, so you need like a nice a sweet base. So uh, with the scotches, your sweeter ones will be corn generally and your, and your more cereal ones will, will probably be... Okay, so that's that's the the nasty little secret of blended whiskey. It's not that nasty, really. No, but it's, it is, I mean, it's just an interesting product, thing. Yeah, exactly. It's not it's not that marketable. It's and it, it, yes, it, it doesn't sell. So, but then you decided, yeah, bourbon. So yeah, you uh, thought I'm going into this. Yeah, well, this is a natural stepping stone, really. And I mean, I drank a lot of dirty dirty bourbon as a kid. Hey, we all have. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we, we did even, I come from a generation, maybe previous, well, maybe a couple previous year, there was the ubiquitous thing with the cola was the Southern Comfort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Delicious, though. Yeah. It tastes, and has this place. Absolutely. Uh, uh, peach, peach sort of yeah. uh, flavour, isn't it? Mm. So, uh, tell us about bourbon. Tell us, the, 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 how long has bourbon been around for? Um... Uh, 18, 1800s, yes. really, so sort of just after American independence, 1776, mm-hmm. uh, there were some uh, incentives for settlers to move west, Yep, uh, and corn grows really well out there. Yeah, there's big, big old yep. prairies in the middle. Exactly, and uh, the taxes on importing other spirits after the revolution, obviously, um, not taxes, rather tariffs, um, mm. and the cost of importing was a lot higher. So they'll make it themselves. Uh, they'd ship it around uh, in barrels because that's the easiest way to do it. It would be uh, the leftover <coughs> leftover grain um, or their leftover corn from their stocks, uh, and they'd distill it and they'd move it around in barrels. Yes, those barrels uh, contained all sorts of stuff, though. So before they they put their uh, their corn spirit in it. Yes. Uh, they charred the barrel, so that's that's where the whole charring thing comes from to clean oh, it to, out to get rid of the nasty other th- the others. Yeah, and then people started requesting for it by name. I, I think the first place that started sort of doing that was Bourbon County, but no one's really sure, so mm-hmm. don't quote me. Yep. Um, yeah, and they they kind of liked the flavour that the charred barrel imparted, and, and that's kind of how it happened. Yeah, gotcha. And because um, so it wasn't really something. So it came. From the prairies, mm. and then got disseminated all over the place. It wasn't something that was sort of like a New Orleans sort of thing. No, no, no. I mean, uh, from from Kentucky, and then, mm-hmm. and then kind of spread out from there. The, I mean, the Kentucky, longer Kentucky, Tennessee, yeah, the, yeah. The, the the longer it 
took to get somewhere, the longer it spent in a barrel, the uh, the, the, the less harsh the spirit got. Gotcha. Mm. And um, and so, are there any um, houses or makers of bourbon that were part of that first genesis that are still around today? Um, there was uh, Mictus. Uh, see, these the problem is these these brands have all been um, subsumed, sold, and then yeah. rebought and reowned, and yeah, um, a lot of the current distilleries now uh, kind of take influence from these old old places but i couldn't name a continuous hmm. operating distillery if someone's listening and they know please tell me yeah let, let us know so and um so was did you ever did you have like a the, the bourbon epiphany or you know was there something where you did the like the pulp fiction where yeah, went cocktails that's a damn good bourbon um do you yeah. remember that well, well, tell us what happened um i think i ordered a whiskey neat and um where were you uh in the city croft institute actually years ago oh wow Um, the 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 the, the, one of the hardest bars in the world to get to (laughs) and uh the gentleman behind the bar suggested that maybe i have a a whiskey cocktail and of course i was young and didn't you know thought that was a bit um yeah a bit emasculine i guess and no way man um but i started i started drinking it in cocktails and and i guess moved from whiskey sorry bourbon to to rye and and then just sort of it just opened my eyes a bit to the whole thing oh there's more out there than than what you think sort of so the bourbon was a gateway for you yeah it was the gateway drink yeah yeah okay that's good yeah right Mm. um now, what we, I'd, what I'd love to do is to maybe just have a bit of a discussion about what the great bourbon cocktails are, where you can use bourbon in a good cocktail. But before we do mm-hmm. that, you've gone to all the trouble of bringing us in um, something special. Yep. Uh, Matt's going to try it. Matt is um, a, a little bit prejudicial against bourbon, well, I think you'd have not, to say. Not really, but I was saying the context of this is uh, probably the last time I had bourbon was, you know, the real bad stuff oh, in the can so with the cola. Yeah, uh, many many years ago, and I've never really given it a second chance. That's my bad. This um, here we go. It's actually it's not your bad. So what happens? <laughs> yeah, it's um, okay. Forgive me. <laughs> uh, after after World War Two and the Cold War, um, it was very patriotic to drink American whiskeys, uh, and the in the in the seventies the quality of it dropped because they couldn't keep up with the demand. Yeah, and right. that's when it all fell out of favor and all, all turned to crap. Uh, and now we're seeing this return to quality, which is what we have in front of us now. Yeah, so, so right. This, and this is you've served it neat, so no ice, obviously no. No, no, uh, no you don't, it's it's not too hot. It's uh, it's what, a single barrel, ten year old. What, what alcohol when you say uh, forty seven point eight? Yeah, okay, okay. And um, and what is it? Where, where's that bottle? Hang on, we're going to just reach another bag. It's a very attractive bottle. Here we go. So what are we? What is? Oh, what a nice bottle. Mm. Um, so yeah. what's it called? Mictus. Mictus. Yeah. Single barrel. Seventeen fifty-three, so it's got a, a few um, established. That's not yep. the stuff that's in there. Ten years old, Kentucky straight bourbon. Tell us a little bit about what we tell us about about this and what we sort of get from the nose and then the, yeah, sure. The, um, the flavor. So this one, that's uh, got a cork. Yeah. <laughs> so this one has spent obviously ten years in a barrel. Yep. Um, it's pretty high in corn. And so we're, talking, we're talking oak barrels? To the, yeah. So the yep. specific charred, charred oak barrel. French, American oak, obviously. Uh, it, it can actually be any oak. Okay, so sorry. Yep. American oak, oak is a yep. uh, brand new oak barrel. Um, it's about uh, 
they haven't disclosed this information. They haven't told me this is uh, online hearsay of, of what's in there. Mm. Uh, maybe 79% corn. Uh, the legal limit for corn in a bourbon is actually 80%, so that's incredibly high. You should get a bit of sweetness from that. Yep. Um, 11% rye, 9% barley-ish. Uh, so you'll get a bit of spice from the rye yep. and uh, a bit of cereal from the barley. Um, but on the nose, you should get a bit of acetone, which is which is a oh, good yeah. thing. Yeah. Just a touch of tannin. Yes. Um so acetone is what uh, nail polish remover. That's yeah, probably what most people could sort of relate to that. You can, yeah, you think of it like that, or you can think of it as a minerality, minerality. and you and you start to think of uh, salt and stone. Okay, that's a nicer thing than saying nail polish remover, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, same, same, but different. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, and then a bit of red fruits. Yep. Caramel? Honey? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely getting caramel. Totally. This, this really, it's sort of. A, a, what do you think, Matt? The aroma was. I am um, just sticking my nose in it for the first time. I, if you gave that to me blind, I'd say that's a whiskey. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, it's, it doesn't have that traditional traditionals into me, but the, the, the usual bourbon, the usual bourbon overtones. Yep. Yeah. Um, a lot of complexity. Yeah, it's, a lot of complexity. Right, and I just I, I did have a quick slurp just then. Geez, mm. the alcohol that is forty seven percent, and you can you can feel it, can't you? Mm. So that's above us. So a standard whiskey is uh, forty two. Something like that. Yeah. Mm. Um, that is, yeah, the alcohol's there, but gee, that's, it's mm. pretty smooth, though, isn't so it? A way, yeah. to, a way to get past that. Um, so you've had your little sip. Yes. What you do now is take uh, more of a mouthful mm. and hold it in there for about 30 seconds. Mm. And your saliva's going to uh, mix with that, and it's going to release a, a bunch more flavor. And then right at the end, swallow mm. and take a big, deep breath in. Get it up into the into yep. the nasal, so you get the real flavour of it, yep. and, and that honey will turn in the honey sweetness will turn into a more milky sweetness. You get a bit of pecan and a few more things going on in there. It's really cool. That's um, that's good. Uh, you, just in case you've tuned in, you're listening to Eat It on Three Triple R, and we're just sitting around the uh, the uh, the desk uh, drinking bourbon with uh, Nate White from Blue Bonnet. The great drinks with uh, bourbon in it. Um, I mean, first and foremost, obviously, old fashioned. Yeah. Uh, with some of your bourbons, if, you, if you've got a bourbon at home that is, you know, the kind of nail polish removey, um, make an old-fashioned with it, and, and you'll really bring out that, that salty mineral uh, minerality to it. Um, the trick, if you, if you don't have, uh, you know, fancy ice or anything like that at home, the trick is, before you make your old-fashioned, keep your bourbon in the freezer. Yes. Um, and that way you don't have to worry too much about diluting it too much. Yes. Um, yeah, freeze it, man. Because you, you want a little bit of dilution, but not too much that it, yeah. it muddies yeah. it all up. There's a there's a sweet spot, and and the temperature will kill, and uh, the temperature drop will kill a bit of the alcohol for and you. And then it goes a bit watery. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the um, would this this would be wasted in a mint tulip? Uh, it, do you think this one? I wouldn't do it. It's no, a, no, it's just thinking. It's, it's a two hundred and seventy dollar bottle. Yeah, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't no, a two seventy a bottle. Two seventy five. Yeah. Um, a, a mint julep, uh, of course, uh, mint flavoured sugar syrup, sort of about one to one for a mint julep. Anyway, it's just great, delicious sort yeah, of. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What about um, a, a drink that I love is a thing called a Sazerac? Yeah, totally. Um, so Can you describe that for us? Sure. Uh, so you'd use rye whiskey rather than bourbon, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, most bourbon brands these days do make a rye. Yes. Um, it's one of my favourites. Uh, so it's a bit spicier and sweeter 
Um, gotcha. Sorry, not sweeter, a bit spicier and drier. Yes. Uh, and you'd mix that with a bit of cognac, one to one, yeah. uh, a touch of sugar syrup, a few dashes of Peshawds, bitters, a uh, dash of absinthe. Absinthe, rinse yeah. in the glass. Totally. Great drink. Um, Amazing. And so, but back to this. So I guess what, you, what you're sort of saying in a roundabout way is don't mess with this. This is 225 um, a bottle, and we're not going to really make cocktails with this. This is just something to be appreciated as is. Yeah, totally. Well, okay. it's, a, it's an interesting thing. Um, so we're seeing now the demand for bourbon is getting higher, mm. uh, which means the price is going up. But we don't want what happened in the 70s to happen where the distilleries are um, uh, cutting, cutting the quality. Yeah, so, that. No, yeah. we want to um, we want to definitely get the distilleries to keep keep making quality bourbon. All so right. you need to you need to ask for that. Buy the good stuff so they keep making it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and for those that maybe I don't know, it's getting close to Christmas and maybe uh, a, a good present for yourself or maybe someone you love who likes to drink might be one of those. Can you recommend any other sort of um, some good quality bourbons that people might want to try and where can they get them? Yeah, look, honestly, first thing I'd suggest, and this is a bit of uh, shameless self-promotion, mm. come into Blue Bonnet, taste it before you buy it. Mm. Um, I'm starting a, a bourbon club uh, where I get whiskey for a lot cheaper than the quoted price I've said, oh. um, or a lot cheaper you'd buy at the bottle and we split the cost between 24 people. You're a good and guy to know. Yeah. <laughs> so, for example, uh, the next bottle I've got lined up uh, retails for about 3000 uh, but what? I can get it for seven hundred. So, yeah, heavy up. Uh, just <laughs> and either message and the Facebook page. Or and we're going to do some do some tastings down at Blue Bonnet. Yeah, man. Okay, and you can also get a great barbecue there. Mm. Um, hey, lovely to meet you, and thanks yeah, you for bringing me. in that little sip. And just uh, let's just go back to Matt Stedman. He's got his mm. arms folded. <laughs> Not quite sure on that. So, what do you think? No, it is good. Um, it is very boozy, as I say. Yeah. But I like your trick of you hold it in your mouth, and mm. that also makes it a very slow drink, which you would want at two hundred and seventy-five dollars a bottle. Yeah, you want to be savouring this yeah. yeah. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. All right. Well, we're, it's time to move on. It's uh, it is the afternoon here at three triple RFM. Uh, we've got still here uh, and uh, Declan Funbar Gillick. Is he in for Neo right, 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 Declan? No. <laughs> we tried. We tried. Oh, well, you can correct us when you come on. But he's still here, and uh, he's going to be steering you through the hour. So please do not go away. It is 1 o'clock. Nate, thanks again for coming in. You're welcome. Thank you. Matt, thank you. Cameron, see you again next week. And Matt and Joe out there, I hope they're enjoying their Sunday lunch, and I hope you are enjoying a Sunday lunch too. See you next week. Bye. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.